this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same. Come on. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Now your best shout ever. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like a roaring, mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear that their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking our own native languages. Here we are. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and the province of Asia, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and the converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What? can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowds ridiculed them saying, they're just drunk. That's all. Mm -hmm. Praise God. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ryan. I like having Ryan around. (laughs) I'm going to keep him around. He makes Bible reading fun. I want to talk to you this morning about something I pray will challenge you, and I pray, really, my heart is that after today, maybe never the same again because of the challenge that I put to you. I grew up Pentecostal, and what Ryan read about uh, speaking in tongues was very much just our family and the church I went to. I would dare say that not one person in my church did not speak in tongues. I would think it's probably vastly different today. Today's a little different because back in the 70s, you didn't hear a lot about it unless you were in the churches that were really on the wave of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, You know, did you get it? Do you have it? And that was kind of the buzzwords of the 70s when this new wave of fresh baptism of the Spirit was sweeping our country. Um, And I just grew up that way. I, I grew up where... At five years old, I was born again. Six years old, I started speaking in tongues at age six. I recorded it on a little recorder in my house and took it to my parents and said, God's filled me with the Holy Spirit. I didn't even know what that meant. I just could say words like Kitamo Shandai, and then I would rhyme it and go Marandai, and that was just cool. Like, <laughs> uh, what I did not know is that there was a vast group of other people who were totally anti all of that. It was of the devil. It had passed away. It was nothing but gibberish, uh, you know, and then they would make jokes. And I, I too, to kind of fit in, would make jokes like, yeah, who stole a Mahanda, tie my bow tie, shoot a pecan down, 
I would say all those words to kind of diffuse the anxiety of wanting to tell people that I spoke in tongues because I was a little embarrassed because they would inevitably say, really, you do? Do it. And then you're like, ah, dude, I don't want to just kitty, 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 kitty. I just don't want to do it. So a little bit ashamed, but at the same time, I grew up that way, so I never really questioned it. It just was what it was. It is what it is. You really don't even question it. You're almost taught not to question it because it's so supernatural, your mind will never figure it out anyway. So I graduate college, I go to seminary, and going to seminary, I had this epiphany of, what if I've been raised wrong? What if, what if I've been taught is not true? And so I set out on a quest in 1989 to see if this thing that Ryan read was true. And I started in the book of Genesis, and I tried my best to get rid of every thing I was told and every anti-tongues and spirit, the Holy Spirit's gone, there's no gifts today, it's passed away, it's not real, it is real, you need it, you're crazy, I don't need it, it's for some people, it's not for everybody, if you can do it, you're great, if you can't, you're probably subspecies of Christian, because to be a good Christian, you should be spirit-filled, that was what I was taught, that that's a, the upper echelon of Christianity, if you're born again, great, we're proud of you, you'll go to heaven, but if you're spirit-filled, you're on a whole new level, uh, even in some churches I was in, you couldn't even be in leadership unless you checked the box that you were spirit-filled and could speak in tongues, and, which is okay, everybody's got their, you know, their spiel of how they do church, and I'm okay with that, uh, so I went on a long journey, and which was about a three-year journey of just reading the Bible, and I came to the conclusion, whether I could understand it or not, or figure it out, it was real. And so that really made me think, then why the diversity of experiences? Why do I know so many people that claim to speak in tongues? They will speak in tongues. Uh, they'll jerk in a church service. No, you know, and they'll chicken dance across the stage. But that same person is addicted to porn, beating their wife, abusing their children, addicted. But on Sunday, they, oh, and then Hollywood gets involved, Saturday Night Live gets involved, skits become part of making fun of it, where people in Hollywood make fun of speaking in tongues. And so you definitely, if you've been alive long enough, you know the phrase speaking in tongues because Hollywood's made fun of it and Christians have made fun of it. Church people make fun of it. But there really is no getting around what Ryan just read. And so I want to challenge you with it. Before we get into it, I want to tell you two quick stories just to show you what I mean about what I'm going to talk about today. Well, I'll give you three that I think will be meaningful. The first one was a lady who came to my house with her husband who was spirit-filled, and he was mad that his wife wasn't. So he drug her to my parents' home, and they sat in the living room with the husband saying, she needs the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And my mother and dad are high-energy Holy Spirit, so they sat her down, and they're talking to her, and my dad's got his nice little eloquent, here's why you need the baptism, point one, here's what the baptism is, point two, here's what you're going to do, point three. And my mother interrupts him. And she interrupts him by starting to pray in tongues. And she starts speaking in tongues. My dad gets ticked that mother has interrupted his moment. 
the woman immediately breaks down, starts sobbing and crying. At the end of my mother praying in tongues, she's weeping, and she says, I have to have it, I have to have it, I have to have it. My dad said, what happened? She said, June was speaking perfect Castilian Spanish to me, telling me that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was real and I needed it in my life. And I'm a Spanish major, and I know what Castilian Spanish speaks, but my mother could speak not a lick of Spanish. The second thing, my dad was at a meeting of several thousand people. He was on a board of, it was called the Full Gospel Fellowship, and he, a businessman. He was on the international board, so every year we would have an international convention where two to 3,000 people would show up. My dad sat on the stage because he was one of the directors. And there were so many people from all over the world that every section of people who were not English-speaking had headphones with an interpreter so that they could keep up with the service. There was a Japanese delegation over toward the right of the stage. And my dad gets up in the service, and my dad stands on stage, and, and as only a father could do to embarrass you, in front of thousands of people, and start speaking in tongues, right? And you're like, hey, geez, Dad, come on. <laughs> so at the end, the next year we roll around back to the same meeting, and a Japanese man walks up to my dad and said, are you Gene Evans? He said, yes, I am. He said, last year you were on the stage and you spoke in tongues. And my dad said, yes, I did. He said, I was part of the Japanese delegation and when you started speaking in tongues, our interpreter quit because you were speaking perfect Japanese to us. And everything you said to us is what the person on the other side interpreted, and I just wanted to tell you it was true. Now, to those of us who didn't know Japanese, it just sounded like Dad was trying out for Shogun, right? It's like, <laughs> dude, dude, I guess Dad's a Jap. I don't know, man. I don't know. Something's going on with my dad there. But when God is the giver of all languages, it's nothing at all for God to speak Castilian Spanish through you or for God to speak Japanese through you because that's what God does. If I wasn't part of that family, I would think my dad's lying and it was made up, but I was in the family and I was in the moment. So when I read or had Ryan read Acts 2 and it says, we hear them talking in other languages that we don't even understand. Ourselves talking. But the people hearing understood it. There was a gentleman in our church who every time we would pray his words, you've heard this if you've been around, he would go, Sikamosa, 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 Sikamosa. That's all he would say, Sikamosa, Sikamosa. Dear God, get another word. You know, jeez, the same thing. Sikamosa, 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 And if God was really on him, it was just super fast. Like, Sikamosa, Sikamosa, Sikamosa. And if you're watching it, you're like, these Pentecostal people are crazy. So I was telling that story in my church back home and this French lady came up and she said, si como si is, is French for, it doesn't really matter how it's going to go one way or the other, it'll all work out. And I thought, now how crazy, this dude that's irritating everybody, si como si, si como si, si como si, in, in French is saying, don't worry about it, it doesn't matter, it may go this way or that way, but it's all going to work out. Don't worry, it may go this way or that way, but it's all going to work out. Don't worry, it may go this way or that way, but it's all going to work out. Don't worry, it may go this way and that way, it's all going to work out. And I'm sitting there going, stop going, si como si, si como si, si como si. And he's looking at me going, don't worry, it doesn't matter if it goes this way or that way, it's all going to work out. 
and I'm over here anxious because I don't believe it's going to work out. <laughs> I need to go get some moonshine because it's not working out. And God's like, I'm telling you every week it's going to work out from the guy that's irritating you. So I still don't know if I understand it all, but I thought I'd be brazen and bold enough to stand up and say, I do believe in the baptism of the Spirit and speaking in tongues, and I believe it's valid for today. It's valid for today. Whether you've had a bad experience with it or a parking lot prophecy or crazy people chicken dancing, I don't care. It's still real. I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater because we can't figure it all out. So I want to go back and give you a scripture that Ryan read, and, and hopefully it challenges you. And how many people? So according to God, he doesn't give much room for deviation. He doesn't even ask for your opinion. He doesn't say to the 120 in the upper room, I'm going to do something. Those of you that want it, raise your hand. He just, everybody who was there got filled. What we know from Scripture last week, it was 120 people. All 120. Fat ones, skinny ones, even kids with chicken pox. They all got it. Right? Armor hot dogs. They all got it. Everybody got filled. But the reasoning they got filled was not just so they could step out into the street and go, dude, listen to this. Isn't that cool? The reason God did it was to teach them how to live beyond their ability. That there is something about the baptism of the Holy Spirit that God said, everyone who's part of my kingdom is to live outside the realm of your ability. In other words, God's not that impressed with our education, although we are. He's not that impressed with your bank accounts, although we are. God is more impressed with somebody who says, I'm at the end of myself and I need God to take over. There's something romantic to God when a human says, I'm at the end of my rope, I need your ability. Now when you do that, there's a difference between I need his ability because I'm a victim versus I need his ability because I'm a victor. I don't need God to show up and give me a crutch. I need his power to come through my life. And so one thing I know about God is there's something even in this room where God is not impressed with you at all. We impress each other. But God says, I really don't care if you stutter. I just want to use you. I don't care if you were raised Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, or Pentecostal. I just want my ability to flow through you. Now, because that is so critical to the kingdom, the devil has worked overtime to take churches and have us do church only within the scope of our reasoning, logic, and ability. It's why we will spend $300,000 on sound systems light shows and smoke machines and the top of all top equipment and the best of electrical systems and pay the, the most anointed people to be part of our team. Nothing wrong with that. Who wants garbage, right? But, but the reality of it is at the end of a multi-million dollar sound system, you end and God has to take over. 
And if we're not careful, we just end up impressing people with how great we are. And we wow the crowds without really teaching people, no matter what level of church we are, thousands or hundreds, if at any moment along the way our ability becomes our most impressive thing we offer, we are doomed. Literally doomed. And yet our ability is so passionate, don't you dare miss a note on stage. Don't you dare sing off key. Because we have to impress you. I'm glad our band is good enough to do what they do because I don't want to listen to off-key singing. Thank you, Sarah, for singing on key. (laughs) But the reality of Sarah over there singing so beautifully here is I know her. I'm not just looking for a talented girl who can come up and go, I'll give you an hour or two of my day. I'm looking for someone who knows the Holy Spirit, who knows when she walks out the door that there's something about her life that trusts God's ability beyond her own vocal range. She knows that, and I know she hungry. I love to hear her sing, but at the same time, I love to know that out of her is coming an ability of God's Spirit. So this moment of God, He's trying to push Mark to this. And it's not fun, it's scary. When we built this church building, the bank said, we're going to give you $300,000, that's all you qualify for. We're like, dude, we can't even build the kids' center for that. And it was very discouraging that we had been on this property 25 years and the only amount of money a bank would give us was $300,000. The next door building was $600,000. We were half to build that one. And that moment was very discouraging of, God, how are we going to do the vision? We don't have the money. We... We can't afford it. The banks won't lend. And God just said, go ask another bank. And they rejected us. And those of you that know the story, go ask a third bank. And it was the third bank where I'm saying, God, we can't do it. We're being rejected. We don't have the income. We don't have the financial ability for a bank to invest into us. And then all of a sudden, a bank came and said, we believe in your vision. Because they asked me, they said, would you share the vision? I'm like, well, dude, you're the first banker they ever asked me about my vision. So I said, you want to hang out a while? And I walked them all over the property, the 12 acres. I shared my vision. They said, we'll call you in a few weeks. They called us back. This is their exact words. We shared your vision with the bank. We want to invest into you because we believe in what you're doing. And this town needs a church that is passionate about young people. Come on. (laughs) And the the bank that said, we're only going to give you $300,000, another bank gave us $1.1 million to finish all of this. And then we we, we ran out of money, right? So we had to take out a second loan. We had to to borrow another hundred k Like, oh God, what are we going to do? And already, we hadn't even been in a year and a half, and already we've paid off the $100,000 note. Supernatural, right? Well, God wants to take you beyond your ability. So here's the thought. Here's the thought. To follow Christ, walk with Christ, live for Christ, it demands everybody in this room, every one of us, has to live beyond your logical ability. You have to. It's not an option. God wants you to live beyond your logical ability. That means for those of you that are sitting in the room going, I got $5 to my name. That's a good place to be. Give it away. Five's not going to pay a car payment anyway. Five won't even barely get you a Chick-fil-A. So if you're going to die, just die giving five away. Don't die eating a blizzard on your last five dollars. I know that's tempting because I'd be like, I'm going to die, man. I wouldn't mind having that cookie blizzard. I mean, if I'm going out, I want to go out with Jesus with Oreos on my bread. (laughs) 
I do know what it feels like. I know what it feels like to be a dad of four and you can't pay your house payment. I know what it feels like to look at your checking account and your savings account and your retirement account and you're 50 years old and all you got to your name is $6,000. I couldn't even live a month. I know what it feels like to go, there's no way I'll ever get it. I went to go talk to an investment banker about 10 years ago and I said, he said, what do you want to do? I said, dude, I don't know. I just love what I do. I said, but I'd like to retire with a million dollars. He said, good, let's sit down and figure it out. He took my salary, figured it out. He looked across the table. His exact words, investment maker, exact words, you're never going to make it. For you to get to a million dollars by the time you get to 70, you'd have to give me more money every month than you even make. And you want to talk about defeating me, walking out the door feeling like I'm a loser. I failed my family. I should have invested years ago. And at that moment in my life, I decided, well, if I'm never going to become a millionaire, I might as well just give everything I got away. And I just started extravagantly giving. I just would give and 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 give. And God's ability started showing up in my life. I don't even know how he would do it. Like I would go, well, I got 20 bucks. Might as well just give it away because 20 is not going to pay for anything. Somebody would give me $200 four hours later. Just felt like the Lord told me to give you this. I'm like, what's going on? God's teaching me to live beyond my ability. It's not fun. It is scary. But he needs you to get there. Because if you don't get there, we're no better than any other club on the planet. If all we do is shake hands, say hello, and love people, any club can do that. But the beyond logic sets the church apart. Here's the question. What would happen if you dared to live outside your natural ability? Your fears, your anxieties, your brokenness, you want to make it so bad. You're trying your best to save money, but you can't save more than $100 a year because every time you try, something goes wrong, you lose it. What would happen if you just walked out today and said, Dear God, I might as well trust Him. I might as well put my faith in His supernatural ability. I might as well believe that there is a God that can move through me. Because here's what happened when this motley crew I talked about last week, the 120, here's the... Here's the actual scripture from last week, Easter. During this time, there was a, how many people? 120 living in their ability. 120 of them in their ability. He told us to come to this room. We came to this room. I don't know what we're doing here, but he said, don't leave. And in that moment, what Ryan read was the shift. Because to that 120 people, there came a divine empowering of the baptism of the Holy Spirit where God moved into their soul and took up residence of his dunamis power. And then out of their belly came a river of living water and they busted the doors open and went out in the street. And they're looking at each other going, dude, what are you saying? I ain't got a clue. Next verse. This is going to blow your mind. Next verse. 120 people with God's ability. How many did God add in one day? 3,000. That is astronomical. That messes the system up. Where are we going to put them all? 
What if they're fake? What if, what if, oh God. Think how this goes. 3,000 people, Peter on the day of Pentecost is out on the street. And somebody goes, dude, he's talking. And then, then Andrew. And these group are like, dude, he's talking to me. And then somebody else is over here. John is like. And they're like, dude, he's talking my language. And then Mary Magdalene is like. They're like, dude, that woman's talking my language. And here's what's weird. Don't you know that when it was all said and done, they got together in a huddle and he's like, dude, what were you saying, Peter? Dude, I don't know. What'd you say, John? Bro, I ain't got a clue what I said. But who cares? 3,000 people. What did you say? Dude, I don't know, but it must have worked. Right? I mean, that's how weird it is. What did you say? Bro, I ain't got a clue, but we just added 3,000 people. So there's something about this weird moment that teaches me that there's something God wants to do in me beyond logic that will literally demonstrate his power to skeptical people. The problem is the church has enhanced the world's skepticism because we give them our ability and then preachers fail and we fail and we do them wrong But when God added his ability, you didn't lose people, you gained people. So maybe where American church is going is people are sick of our ability and we're going to have to begin to bring back God, baptize us with your ability, and when we do, the skeptical world will flood the place. And when the skeptical world floods the place, what in God's name are you going to do? Pout? That's my seat. You're in my seat. Get out of my seat. That's where I sit every week. Because where do you put 3,000 people? Back in the upper room? No. You can't go back to the upper room. There's something about the ability of God. You can't go back to who you were. You have to go to who He is. You have to leave you and go to Him. And so it leads me to this thought. God wants to use your life to prove to others that Jesus really is alive. He doesn't want to use a history book. He wants to use you. You are his epistle that he really is alive. The question that's going to sting most would be, do people know the reality of Jesus because of you? I'm not talking about Jesus of the historical Jesus, the one that's up there right now, who dwells in you, lives in you, and wants to work through you. Do your friends know that one? Are you brazen enough in your pride? Are you brazen enough in your ability to be so bold that you could stand on a stage in front of 2,000 people and go, I don't even know how it works, but I know there's an ability. I know there's something God wants to do in me outside of me. We were in a church service one time just having church and all of a sudden some lady from across the room starts speaking in tongues. And I'm like, yeah, man, come on, you know. All right, we'll wait. She's speaking in tongues. And then or over here and then over on the other side, this lady interprets the tongue. So I'm like, come on, Jesus, man. I don't know what she said, but I'm just going to trust it. 
So we got a lady speaking and, and this person over here interpreting it. Everybody else is just like, while she's speaking, like, cool, bro, we don't got a clue what you're saying. But the moment she interpreted it, all the English speakers are like, yeah, bro, that's awesome. Cool, right? I mean, that's, uh, we're okay with that. What's even more weird is the guy in the sound booth calls me over and says, Pastor Mark. I was like, what? He said, uh, my grandmother was Indian and she spoke Chippewa. And I know a little bit of Chippewa. And that woman on the other side of the church was speaking Chippewa. And what that woman said was exactly what that woman said. Now, sorry, no good Mark. Don't speak Chippewa. I'm just like, God, come on. Some lady speaking Chippewa. Sounds like something off Dances with Wolves. Here, Jesus. Right? Because we're all human. And our human ability is you're interrupting the service. And our human ability is why would God want to do that? Maybe God did it just for the guy in the sound booth to know the reality of heaven. Maybe he wanted the guy in the sound booth to know that God can speak Chippewa if he wants to speak Chippewa. I don't know what God's up to, but he always isn't here to impress you. He's here to get other people. So sometimes I just have to suck my pride up and go, I don't know what he's doing, but people are going to get changed. Because there is something about his ability that logic just doesn't like that. I like to control it all. In other words, I need you to sign up and tell me what language you want to speak so we can know. Because when you go, we're going to Google translate it. Siri, what are they saying? Like, I just want to see if it's real or not. Like, is that, are you just gibberish or is it, I mean, that's how weird my mind can be. Like, don't fake it. But I have to be willing to say, am I so blooming stupidly arrogant that I think God needs to explain himself to me? Am I that arrogant of a man that I need God to ask my permission before he blows my mind? Hey, God, appreciate you. But I got like three degrees here. I don't want people in Douglasville to think I'm dumb. So I'd appreciate it if you'd tap me on the shoulder and ask my permission. <laughs> is that how dumb we all are? Or is it just me? Because God wants to take me to a place to where when you walk in the door, he doesn't just want you to go, wow, man, the music is great. He wants to prove his ability to you. That he wants to do something. So I'm going to take a few minutes and just roll you three things that you're going to have to do. All right? So this is what you got to do. First is, will you dare begin? Everybody has to start somewhere. Everybody in the room's got to suck your pride up. I said it last week. You just got to start. You got $5, give the five away and just start somewhere. You're sick in your body, well, just pray and start believing. Just start. Just get your arrogant self out of the way. Take your degrees, turn them around for a while. Quit trying to figure out the Greek and Hebrew about it and just trust God. So will you dare begin? Here's some scriptures for those of you that like scripture. And everyone present had to begin doing what? Yeah, everybody's got to begin. 
God didn't take their lips and say, now, I know you stubborn people don't want to speak. And then God comes down and goes, God didn't do that. God didn't take their lips and shove his fist down and go, you better speak or I'll kill you. He just simply said, uh, I'm going to move and then I need you to open your mouth and I need you to do what's happening on the inside. In other words, Mark, I'm going to do something in here, but I need you to be willing to let it come out there. So there is a willingness that has to happen in you. God's not going to beat you up over it and God's not going to send you to hell. But what he does want is a willingness for you to start. Even before you figure it all out. Here's the next scripture. Isaiah. And I heard the Lord asking. This is weird. Like you're the God that made the universe. But he's asking, I need to send somebody as a messenger. I need somebody that will go for me. Wait a minute, if you're God, why don't you just do it yourself? Why, God, why don't you come down into my workplace and blow their mind? And God's like, I'm trying to do it through you, but you won't let me. I wish you would just fix that old person I work with. And God's like, I'm trying to, but you won't ever go for me. You want me to do it for you rather than you do it for me. So there's something weird that has to say, here I am, send me. So everybody just say that last line there. Here I am, send me. And that is an answer to God saying who? Josh, you? Is that who? Phoebe, you? That, that's where I, ha- I just have to go, okay, yeah. I don't, I don't know where and I don't have a map, Google map, but yeah, you need me, sure. Here's a prayer you can pray. You want to screenshot it. We'll put it on our social media. I, I pray it all the time. Most of you have been here know it. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. That is the most powerful prayer I believe a Christian can pray. God, if you can, well, just use me. And I might have to embarrass myself. I might have to get out of my comfort zone. I may have to take my introverted personality and kind of squash it to let you work. But if you can, do it. I'm ready. Send me. Here's the second thing. You got to wake up and just look for God to help you. Because there's something about getting to the end of yourself that is frustrating. We can't build this building. I don't know what we're going to do. I have to wake up and go, I don't know what kind of hell is going on, but I know he's going to help me. Well, when is he going to help you? I don't know, but he is. He will never abandon me. He will never leave me, and he will never forsake me. Because if you start out and you say, okay, I'll begin, but typically about three steps in, there's going to come this drastic anxiety of you can't do this. You're going to fail. You're going to go broke. You're going to look stupid. So you have to convince yourself that in this first step you take to pray for that person you work with or to whatever, you got to just look for him to help you. you got to really train your brain. At the end of me, God will take over. Here's the scriptures. It's a fairly familiar. John 14. Jesus said, if you'll ask the Father, I will ask him, and he'll give you another advocate. That word means one called to help you. He'll never leave you. Now listen to Jesus. He even tells you the world can't receive him because it's not even looking for him. Like the world is hunting for something and the tragedy of Christians are we're hunting too. We're like, give me that map. I'll, I'll hunt with you. And there's something about God that says the world is not even looking for him but then in red, you know 
who it is because he lives in you. There's something drastically different between me and the world. The way they do life versus the way we do life. Their expectations versus mine. And many Christians' expectations are just for what the world can think. So I get locked into retirement and money and investments and nothing wrong with any of that, but I quit expecting and looking for him. Here's a scripture in Corinthians. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit to show us the deep secrets. And nobody can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received his spirit, not the world's spirit. In other words, this is weird. I don't know if you believe this. I, I do. I'll share it with you. I believe it's possible to know what God is thinking. And because of his spirit, you can ask him. God, man, what are you thinking today at my job? Tell me, and I'll listen and you can use me. God, what are you thinking in my school today of what's going on in my life? If you'll tell me your thoughts, God, I will obey and I want you to use me. There have been many times I'm not saying that I'm a great dad. I try to be, all right? I try to be a good father. But I will say the one thing that I've tried to land on is I don't always understand girls. I got one laugh. And it was from a girl. She's like, finally, he's clued in. <laughs> I live with all girls. I can't figure them out. I, I wish I could. I'd write a book, be a millionaire. But I think all of my daughters would tell you that when our family is up against the wall, what God thinks is critical to us. God, I want to know what you think about my daughter who's struggling. If you'll tell me what you think, I'll go talk to her. I don't need my own logic. I need your thoughts to take over, God. I need you to tell me how to raise these girls because I, 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 want, I don't want it to be me. I need it to be you. And all along the way, God would share thoughts with me about my children that would help them get over struggles of life because he would share his secrets with me and then I could download them. What a weird thought that God knows every secret of everything of your life and he simply says, if you would ask me, I would share it with you. So you would learn to trust me. And yet more Christians have a better faith in their daily horoscope than they do that God could reveal secrets. They would rather know that their Aries sign and their Pisces sign is telling them what to do today. That somebody in a blooming newspaper is more trustworthy than God himself. That's a sad testament. I don't know if you look at that stuff, but it's a sad testament that I have more faith in I'm a Taurus than I do in God's ability. Some people have more faith in a Chinese fortune cookie. You get more excited, fold it up. My God, this is what says something good's coming my way. God's been telling you that for centuries. So maybe he had to use a Chinese cookie to get you to believe him. Here's the third thing. Look for God to work through you. Look for him to work through you. Here's a scripture. God raised Jesus from the dead, and I'm a witness to this. Now Jesus is exalted to the highest honor at God's right hand, and as the Father has promised, gave him the Holy Spirit who he poured out on us. And he says this, just as you see in here. In other words, the testament is people are to see God through you. That's how they know the reality of God, is through you. This scripture, Corinthians. I came to you in weakness... Timid and trembling. So in other words, he understands all of our plight. 
And my message was very plain, meaning you don't have to be brilliant. But rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. So you would not trust in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Here's the conclusion. May my life be lived in such a way that I live beyond my ability. I trust your Holy Spirit's power in me so that others may know you're alive. Maybe the reason churches aren't filled with hurting people today is not because the devil's so big. It's just we're not convinced Jesus is really alive in us. So I just want to give God a moment. I'll ask the band to come up. I want to give God a moment to just give him a, a moment to go out of our ability. I want to tell you how we're going to do it. 1984, maybe, 83, 84. We were in a church service. My dad had planted a church. And in the church service, there was a guy named Bill Freeman. He had been part of the mafia. He was a card shark for the mafia. What the mafia would do is the mafia would send him in to gambling places. And when they would send him into gambling places... He would fake it, and then he would win a bunch of money. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars for the mafia. He got born again. When he got born again, something kind of tragic happened. They found out that he had sclerosis of the liver, and he was dying. So he was sitting in church. It was an old pew church. He was sitting there, and as he was sitting there, he told my dad, I'm dying of sclerosis of the liver, would you pray for me? And my dad said, sure I will. Well, dad forgot to pray for him. So dad is walking out of the church service and he was going to shake hands in the foyer and he saw Bill sitting there and he's like, oh, I was supposed to pray for him. So he touched Bill and he said, be healed of cirrhosis of the liver. Walked on out the door and Bill was totally healed of an incurable disease called cirrhosis of the liver and went on and lived a long time. Come on, right? That was in the 1980s. So today at church, as I'm praying coming here, God, teach us to live outside of our ability as a church. Teach us to trust you beyond logic. Reginald said to me, Reginald, will you come up, please? Reginald said to me, Pastor Mark, during Love Power Community, he said, I want you to know I went to the doctor and the doctor said, I have cirrhosis of the liver and there is no cure for it. It may only get worse and I may have to have a transplant. And he said, I don't even drink alcohol. It's part of an heredity. And as soon as he said that, with tears in his eyes and the anxiety and the fear in his eyes that he's been given a diagnosis, I went back to the 1980s with Bill Freeman sitting there dying of cirrhosis of the liver and they just touched him and the ability of God came. How many of you would think that that God is still the same God today? <laughs> well, stand up with me if you will. Stand up with me if you will. Elders, would you come and just gather around uh, Reginald? Stretch your hands out to Reginald. We're just going to ask God's ability. He needs an ability beyond natural ability. Now, after we pray for him, I, I just dismiss you to come up and partake of communion to pray. Michael's going to lead you in prayer and lead you in worship and I want everybody in the building
to take communion for Reginald today. That God's ability is going to hit him because we're at the end of ourself. I mean, he too, he's at the end of himself. He, he needs God to intervene in some way. And so what we're going to believe as a church is what we just preached be true. That the ability of God would take over where his ability has ended and God would bring him divine healing. So let's believe that today. Stretch your hands out toward Reginald. Father, in Jesus' name, right now for Reginald, every bit of anxiety, every bit of fear, everything that was spoken into his mind, God, it is a death sentence, so to speak, in the world's logic. But I thank you we live outside of our logic. And we're asking you to do what you said you would do. That you would baptize him with a fresh power. And out of his soul would come rivers of living water. And that the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit now would go through his natural body, into his kidneys, into his blood, into his liver. And this cirrhosis of the liver has to dry up from the root. Just like Jesus cursed the fig tree. That this disease would be cursed off his body. And I think your life will come to him today. And as his brothers and sisters today, we take communion for him. For the death of Jesus Christ. For the healing of Jesus Christ. For the power of Jesus Christ. And we put our faith with him today. That your ability is going to take over where his ends. And I give you thanks for it. In Jesus' precious name. And everybody say amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there is anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Be sure to check back next week for a brand new message.